Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. Well, welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Seventh Day. It's wonderful to see everyone here today. Uh, look around the room and uh, it's a blessing. I really don't know a whole bunch of you guys, so thank y'all for showing up today. Thank y'all for being here. My name is Josh Wilkes. I'm married to my beautiful wife, Jolene. I've got three kids. Um, I wanted to talk to you today about holiness and about ethics. I'm going to be reading from Leviticus chapter 19. Uh, I think, I think uh, for me anyway, this has kind of been on my mind and uh, I've been talking or I've been listening to some audio books from Dennis Prager. I'm sure a lot of you guys know him, but he's a, he's a huge, he, he's written uh, several books. He's authored several books. He's a national radio syndicated talk show host. Uh, and he is uh, someone I very much admire and respect. And I love to read his commentary on the Torah and on, on law. And so I was reading and listening to, actually listening to his, his stuff on Leviticus chapter 19. And so today I'm going to be speaking to you a lot about some of his ideas that I totally agree with. Uh, but I just want you to be aware that if you want to hear someone that's a lot more eloquent and a lot better speaker than me talk about these ideas, go listen to that because it is, it is very impressive. But I've been, I've been thinking about uh, holiness and ethics and, and you know, where we are as a culture today, where we are as a society. Um, and so, so it spoke to me. So I want to read from Leviticus 19, but before I do that, I want to give us a little bit of background, right? So I told my kid, or actually my son, asked me, hey, what are you going to be speaking about? And I said, I'm going to be speaking about ethical monotheism. And I could tell that he had no idea what I was talking about. That's actually not what I'm talking about, but I wanted to blow his mind. It worked. It blew his mind. He said, uh, what, what, is, what is ethics? I said, okay, I know. This is, this is a good topic. This is something that we should be talking about when my kid's asking me, what's ethics? Yeah, that's kind of our problem today, I think. So I thought I might read, what is the, the definition for ethics? Ethics, a set of moral principles, a theory or system of moral values. A guiding philosophy, a consciousness of moral importance. Holy, what is holy? Exalted or worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness. Divine for Yahweh our Elohim is holy. I think we need to start off by just going back just a little bit and reviewing where we're at in Leviticus in the Bible, right? When you look at uh, Leviticus, it's right in the middle of the Torah, right? You got 
Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And in the middle of Deuteronomy, or in the middle of Leviticus, uh, there's, you know, chapter 19 that we're going to be talking about today. And warming up to that, you've got all this talk about uh, your sacrifices, your grain offerings, your fellowship offerings, your sin offerings, and a lot of offerings, all these sacrifices coming in. And then after that, we talk about, Leviticus is talking about the priests, what they're to do, how they are to be, how exactly they, they do it. And then you get to 17, 18, and 19, and you have these chapters where it starts to talk about sin. It starts to talk about our moral conduct, our ethics, our how we should be. How are we to be holy? Right, that's what we're talking about when you get down to it. So Yahweh said, so where was I at? Okay, we're in 17, 18, and 19, right? Chapter 17, 18, and 19, it's talking about all the laws. It's talking about uh, sexual sin, and then it gets into, you know, uh, I think how, how we are to, what we are to eat, how we are to eat, you know, the clean and unclean food laws. And then we get up to chapter 19 in Leviticus. Um, and chapter 19 is this very uplifting chapter that talks to us about holiness and about ethics. And so I want to, I want to speak to you there. Let's get started in uh, Leviticus 19 verse 1. Yahweh said to Moses, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because I, Yahweh, your God, am holy. You know, what makes us holy? What does holy mean? I read the definition. But the actual word means set apart. It's different. It's, it's way over here, right? There's holy. You know, if we can imagine a scale where we have uh, Yahweh at one end, I think, the holy. That's, that's what we're shooting for. Then we have something else over here. What is that something else? Uh, when we look at the world, when we look at nature, when we look at across all this, this the spectrum, there's uh, the animal kingdom, right? Animals don't, are not holy. You know, we may say holy mackerel or holy cow or holy, but that doesn't make, that, even saying that doesn't sound holy, does it? Nothing about that's holy. So at the, at the end, over here, you have the, the animal. And then over here, at this end, you have Yahweh, what we're shooting for, what we're aiming towards. You know, when we, when we eat, right? When you watch a cow eat, he grazes. When we eat, we don't stick our head in a bowl of salad, right? Because people would say, look at this guy, he's eating like an animal. They would say, he smells like an animal. You know, there's, there's a difference. We are... On this scale, we are supposed to be elevating, moving across from this 
base instincts, from our base instincts, moving upwards and elevating to Yahweh. That's what holiness is shooting, aiming higher. Let's read verse three. Each of you must respect, the, the, sorry, each of you must fear your mother and father, and you must observe my Sabbath. I am Yahweh, your Elohim. You know, here we have the restating of the Ten Commandments. Um, you know, in the Ten Commandments, what does it say? It says, honor your what? Father and mother, right? Okay. Honor your father and mother. Here it says what? Each of you must fear your mother and father. They just switched it out. Why? And then it, and then it has this and it, and attachment, right? You would think, you know, in the Ten Commandments, you have the law of honor your father and mother. And then you have another commandment of observe my Sabbaths. But here they're kind of combined. They're kind of put into one here. But it says honor your father. When we think about honoring our father and mother, which one do we honor and which one do we fear? I don't know about y'all, but for me, I feared my father and I was more likely to honor my mother. Now she may disagree with this and I understand. But Yahweh switches it. It's switched here. Over there, father and mother. Now here, mother and father, fear and honor. The idea here is that Yahweh, Yahweh is adamant about the equality of mother and father. Does that make sense? While our mother, our dear mother, is to be honored, she is also to be feared. She is equal to our Father in importance. She is just as worthy. They are on equal footing. Okay, next point. Why are mother and father and Sabbath, why is all this linked, you know? When I was growing up as a child, we lived... Uh, in Waxahachie for a lot of the years of my life. And so as, as I was growing up, we lived in Waxahachie, uh, and that's about two, two and a half hours from here. And we'd come back almost every weekend, we'd come back uh, to services. But every once in a while, you know, people, first my dad would have to work, uh, or we had something we had to do on Saturday evening or something up there. Uh, or they just got tired and they really didn't want to make drive two and a half hours down, two and a half hours back up. And I know a bunch of us can relate to that. Sometimes uh, you just need a break a little bit. So, but having said that, we always knew, and I, I think my mom and dad did an excellent job of this. When we stayed home, we always knew that we were going to have service. We were going to have some sort of a Sabbath service. Okay. My mom and dad always kept the house 
the home. Free of distractions, right? Like today, we have tons of distractions. Uh, every one of my kids have a phone, and all their phones have Instagram. And so, you know, they have a lot of distractions in their lives uh, via socials, via phones, via... And all that stuff was non-existent when I was a kid. But my mom and dad would say, hey, turn off the TV, turn off the radio. Sabbath is a special day. Verse three, it's talking about honor your mother and father. It's talking about honor the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day has been instrumental in keeping uh, my family together. You know, when you look at this room, all my family's right over here or over there, both. Look at y'all's family. All, all of y'all are are a part of my family. I have my, my wife, my kids, my brothers, sisters, father, mother, and then I have my church family. All of you guys here, the Sabbath is instrumental in growing a family. You know, Dennis points out something that I think is a great, great point. And that is that oftentimes in our lives when we are our job is so important as a mother and a father because we're the ones that shepherd our kids. We, we can shepherd them or drive them to a belief in Yahweh or we can drive them away from a belief in Yahweh. Sometimes, you know, it, as our children mature, they start to see our, our uh, hypocrisy, right? The things that we do that don't line up with the things that we say we should do, okay? And they'll call us on it, and they should. That's fine. That's okay. But Yahweh is driving for us to be fair as parents, to be ethical. Yahweh is asking us to be fair, to be ethical. Uh, and we're going to fall short of that goal sometimes. But it's important to be that way because our kids are looking at us trying to decide what, you know, the relationship between a, a, a child and a father, a child and its mother, oftentimes directly affects the relationship between that child and Yahweh. And it makes it so much better when we have a spouse in our lives that can, that can act sometimes when you have conflict in the home. Uh, Y'all probably don't have any type of conflict in y'all's homes, but I know for me, I have some conflict in my home from time to time. You know, that's just a part of it. When we look and we read through Genesis, there seems to be like a lot of conflict in the home. Cain and Abel, Jacob and Esau. And there's, a, there's, there's the whole Joseph story. You know, there's a lot of conflict around in families. I have some but your spouse can help you moderate that. They can help better question your motives and your execution, your method. They can temper your temper, you know? But most people's relationship with their parents, especially the father, directly affects how they see Yahweh. So when we read through this, how does it all tie together? Honor your father and mother. Fear mother and father. Fearing Yahweh, 
They're directly tied. There is a strong connection here. The Sabbath is tied to the idea of a united family unit. You know, one thing that he, that uh, Prager points out that I thought was a really good point. He says in biblical Hebrew, there is no word for but. In, in modern Hebrew, there's a word for but. Uh, they use the word and, and can mean either. It can mean and, or it can mean and or but. And so when you have the verse in verse three, let me see if I can flip back over there and find it real quick. Each of you must fear your mother and father and you must observe my Sabbath. I am Yahweh, your Elohim. He's saying that and, and you must observe my Sabbath. Could also be possibly a but. Meaning, you are to honor and fear your mother and father, but if they say don't observe my Sabbath, you must observe my Sabbath. Does that make sense? Verse four, do not turn to idols or make metal gods for yourselves. I am Yahweh, your Elohim. Here it says, I am Yahweh, your God. What, he's, what Yahweh is saying here, if we go back to Leviticus chapter 17, verse 7, you'll find that these Israelites were out there in the wilderness and they were offering these sacrifices to uh, the goat God. I didn't read much more than they were offering sacrifices to the goat God. But you can read it, Leviticus 17, a couple of chapters earlier. Yahweh's saying, hey, stop that. You know, quit that. Cut it out already. We, we, we remember, you know, Moses coming back down from the mount. And what does he find Aaron doing? Aaron's over there. I don't know, Moses. We threw some gold. The cow popped out. Kind of minimalizing the truth. Right? Yahweh is saying, I am Yahweh. In other words, not a title, not Adonai, not El Shaddai, not uh, God. He's saying, my name is Yahweh. You are to worship Yahweh, not, not uh, the goat God. But they had a lot of, as they were coming out of Egypt, they had a lot of these ideas. In Egypt, coming out of slavery, there was a lot of gods. There was a polytheistic society. They had just poly, just meaning more than one God, right? That's all it means. And so Yahweh said, none of that. There's only one. You can't be holy. You're sacrificing to the goat God. Let's read on to verse five. When you sacrifice a fellowship offering to Yahweh, sacrifice it in such a way that, we, that it will be accepted on your behalf. It shall be eaten the day you sacrifice it or on the next day. Anything left over until the third day must be burned up. If any of it is eaten on the third day, it is impure and will not be accepted. Whoever eats it will be held responsible because they have desecrated what is holy, Yahweh. It means they must be cut off from their people. So we're coming down through here and we have this, this sacrifice the fellowship offering, okay? 
For me, it's difficult to relate to the sacrificial system of this time. You know, when I just logically think back, if you were to ask me, hey, what do you know about the 1800s? I would say, ah, not very much, not very much at all. But now we're going back 2,000, 4,000, 6,000 years, and you to ask me, what is life like here at this time as the people are wandering around in the desert? What's life like? Tell me all about it. What do you know? I don't know much. That is, that is uh, you know, the sacrificial system. Uh, it's, it's, it's definitely different. But there is a preciseness to the sacrifices that Yahweh asked to offer. Right? To make the sacrifice. And on the second day, you're still able to eat it. But on the third day, you can't. Well, why can't you eat it on the third day? I don't know why you can't eat it on the third day. But you can't, because Yahweh said you can't. You know, ethics is the law, it's the Torah, it's our morals, it's our guiding principles. And holiness, at least for me, is a little harder to describe, right? A little harder, but I'm going to try to, to, to go through it. You know, this last Passover, we had Passover, and we're... Because of Corona, we were not able to be here. We all had Passover at our homes, but it gave me an opportunity uh, to have Passover in my house. And it, it was, I really enjoyed it, to be honest. I, I really, we had, for one, Jolene cooked a beautiful meal. And so what guy don't love a beautiful meal, right? A great tasting, beautiful meal. We had the whole thing. And uh, so I really liked that. But I also had a chance to read a couple chapters in Exodus with the kids and walk through what, what it meant and, and just do it in a way that we don't typically do it. But that same night I was able to, and I was very curious, uh, Dennis Prager for the first time live streamed uh, his Seder dinner, him and Stephen Marmer, uh, a psychologist in California. Anyway, the point is that they live streamed it. I was very impressed with, they would, they would take a, dri a drink of wine, then they would break some bread, take a piece of bread, drink some wine, say a blessing. There was an order to the whole thing. There's all, there's all these uh, rituals, if you will. There's all this, uh, there's, there's blessing. They're, they're eating the bitter root. The bitter root means this. There's a story about the four sons, and they all have, there's a lot to it. You know, our supper lasted like an hour, and my kids are, are ready to, uh, to throw me out of the house because I'm making them stay at the dinner table. We're doing this Passover dinner. This thing is like two hours long. And uh, yeah, that's just tradition has it that, you know, all the, the little Jewish kids do not like Seder dinners because it takes so long. But through all of that, there is all of these like details, right? Details. Little things, little stuff you have to do, stuff you have to say, stuff you have to pray. Take another example. If you were walking down the street and you found in the trash can, and this could happen right now, this could happen in any town in America, apparently. Walking down the street, you find in the trash can the American flag. Why is the American flag in here? I thought the American flag, we were supposed to like honor this thing, right? 
you pull the American flag out. But someone would say, well, what is the American flag? What's so special about it? It's a piece of cloth, just like any other cloth. You know? We, we fold the American flag in a certain way, right? Ever seen one? I can't do it. I can't fold the bed sheet, especially the American flag, the way they fold it up, you know? Very particular. Some people will get mad at you if you do some of these things the wrong way, okay? We raise it in a certain way. We lower it in a certain way. Why do we do all that? Because there's an idea, there's an idea that that American flag represents. We put our hand on our chest and we say allegiance to the flag, right? There's an idea of freedom. There's an idea of liberty. There's an idea that's, that's just a goal, okay? There's a sacredness to attach to it. There's a reverence. There's an idea. Yahweh is doing the same thing as, he's, as we're coming down through Leviticus. He's showing us, here's what you have to do to be holy. To be my people, I want you to be like this. To do these things. Special. There's, there's special. There's sacred. There's all these little things add up. They matter. They're the holiness aspect. Okay? There's the laws. There's the here's what you do. Here's how you do it. And then there's, you know, think about your wedding. If you were to get married, what kind of a dinner do you have? Right? You're going to get it catered. It's going to be a big deal. You're only going to get married once. Let's get a special meal, a special one. You don't go get Subway, do you? You don't order in Subway. You don't get Dairy Queen. You get something nice because the details matter. If you don't think they do when you get married, tell your wife that. Say, hey, these two, the flower arrangement does not matter. This planning, this preparation that you're putting into just doesn't matter, you know? But it does matter. These little things matter. Again, the Seder dinner, all the traditions, all the, there's a ritual to it. The sacrifice. No, we're talking about sacrifice. The sacrifice that's being offered here isn't for Yahweh. We're not doing Yahweh a favor by offering the sacrifice. The sacrifice is for us. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the sacrifice is for us. You know, we need the sacrifice of Yahshua. Dennis also points out, <clears throat> and he, he's Jewish, but he says, hey, the Sabbath was made for man, just like Yahshua said. Yahshua said the Sabbath is made for man, uh, not man for the Sabbath. Dennis agrees. Yes, the Sabbath was made for man in the same way that sacrifices are for us. We need the Sabbath and we need our sacrifice of Yahshua who died for us. That sacrifice covers what? Our unholiness. It covers the transgression of the law. It covers our sin. No ethical societies will collapse without holiness. 
Look at the society, uh, let's say Europe, America maybe, right? Europe, just the birth rate alone, they, they, they're gonna be taken over shortly. They cannot sustain themselves. Leviticus 19 is preoccupied with ethics and holiness and how they connect to one another. The law, the Torah, our morals, our principles, that's the foundation. We have to know that stuff. We have to understand how it works in our lives. That's the foundation. Yahshua is our salvation, okay? Ethics teaches us holiness, how. It teaches us the how. How do I become righteous? How do I become holy? How do I become a better neighbor to my brother? All right, let's continue on in Leviticus 19.9. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for your poor and the foreigner. I am Yahweh, your God. You know, I love this this verse, because I think it, it honors Yahweh. When you read a verse like this, where it's talking about Yahweh's concern for the downtrodden, you know you're worshiping a God who is loving, kind, and merciful. Uh, it reminds me of some of the scriptures that we read about, you know, on Shabbat. And we take our, our, our ox out, and we just work that ox all day long, as hard as we want. I mean, we can't work on Shabbat, but our, our ox and our donkeys and, and whatever, those, those can work. Yes or no? Right, no. So, no, my point. So, what about when, when Yahweh says, hey, the ox is going down through this field, he's working. Why do you have that muzzle on him? Take the muzzle off of him. He's working. Just let him eat as he goes along. Right? We, we, we already have seen on the scale of holy, the animal's way over here, and Yahweh is way up here, right? But Yahweh still cares. He still cares about the animal. He still cares uh, about the lowest on the scale. And that's good because sometimes I act like an animal. So I love the fact that Yahweh still has concern for us, okay? The downtrodden in our society. You know, one of the things that you can take from this verse is there's no, that Yahweh says no handout by, by, by having the worker, by leaving the stuff in the field, there's a certain amount of work that has to be put in to going over here and picking the field that's been, the corn that's been left, the potatoes, the watermelons, the whatever, the, the grapes, you know? The guy has to go, get up and go over there 
and engage in the process. And there's a certain amount of right, dignity that he gets to keep by doing that too. Right? Maybe he needs this. And when we're talking about this, don't think about it just as, as your field. I think we could take this and apply this to further out there, right? It's not, I don't own, a, I don't own an orange grove, so I don't need to worry about this one type thing. This is applicable in our lives. But having said that, right, it, it provides for that person to go out and pick up the grapes off the ground. They're actually working. Maybe that's the jump start they need to get back uh, out there, you know? Or maybe, uh, you know, one of the things it does too is it just keeps him from being what? Humiliated. He don't have to go during the daytime. He can go at night. Nobody has to see him. He can look at the field, figure out when. Nobody in the field, I'm gonna go in the field now. It protects the man's dignity, right? You ever pull up to a stop sign and there's a panhandler out there? You both just kind of not look at each other and hand him some money, right? Why? So this fixes that problem. And so many times taking is corrupting. Giving, especially when it's done uh, with an attitude that you actually want to give, you know, not an attitude of, you see how much I gave, but with an attitude of, I want to give that, can, can give you way more a lot of times than what the, the person you're giving got. Does that make sense? Did I say that right? You can get more out of it than the one receiving the gift. Getting something for nothing, right? We, we, uh, yeah, this is arguing against that, that theory. Remember King David at the threshing floor, he goes over and he, he had sinned and he goes up to the guy and says, hey, I want to buy your threshing floor. And the guy's like, no, no, you're the king. Just take it. And uh, he, he said, no, no, this is not going to cost me nothing. This is going to cost me something. Why? Because it's, He's saying, it's going to be painful enough for me to learn my lesson. I, I want to, it, it has to cost me something. If you, if you don't, if it don't cost you anything, a lot of times you don't value it, right? What do we value? Do we value the things that come super easy in life? Uh, or do we value those things that we have to work super hard at to get right? When it comes to our kids, uh, Man, that's, you know, you, you have to work really hard at your kids to, to try to make them into what you want. And then they disappoint you. And then you get frustrated. And then uh, you want to give up sometimes. But they're three, so you feel like, hey, maybe you can. <laughs> uh, I'm joking. That was a joke, guys. Okay. So, my point is, the thing, but the, it, you volunteered for that job. You said you wanted it. I said I wanted it. Does that make sense? I wanted the job of raising these kids. Do we have second doubt? Sure. But you're in it now. So you're fighting and you're doing what you can, where you can. What makes you happy 
this with your kids, right? Think about it. Go home. There's the trash over there. You've already told him, take out the trash every single day. Take the trash out. Take the trash. I just asked him to take the trash out. It's not liking. I'm not asking you to. What did David ask for? Go across, break through the enemy lines and get the water or something. I'm not. It's the trash. Just take out the trash. And they don't do it. They don't do it. They don't do it. And you have to remind them and tell them. And you're irritated because of what? Their disobedience. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you just throw them in the trash with the trash, right? That just means that when they finally do, like you walk in, the kitchen and the trash is actually gone. There's a brand new liner. It's not overflowing. You know, you're like, hey, thanks, man. You like that's one of those moments that you're proud of them. You know, took out the trash. Look at this guy go. What can you accomplish next, son? The bar, we set the bar really low at my house. Okay, guys. <laughs> Think about what y'all has done here. Uh, Yahweh, we're going down through Leviticus 19, preoccupied with holy and how to be holy, with the ethics, how to be holy. How are we supposed to be? Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Not stealing. Prager points this out. Not stealing is fundamental to a society. You know, we have a word for stealing. You go inside the bank, you take all their money. What's that called? Robbery, theft. Thank you. Stealing. Yeah. What, ha what do we call? What do we call the word for taking uh, someone's wife, spouse, husband, right? What do we call that? We've got a word for it. It's adultery. What about the taking of a life? What is that called? Fundamental to a society is the law of stealing, right? Do not steal. Can you steal someone's dignity? Yes, you can steal someone's dignity by humiliating them. Again, that ties right back in what we were just talking about the field. It's a way for them not be humiliated. Remember in the Ten Commandments, there, there's an ex, expounding upon the Ten Commandments, I think, here in, in, in Leviticus 19. Do not lie. In the Ten Commandments, it was said as, do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Right? Here it says, do not lie. Do not deceive one another. There's the obvious, right? The lie that we there's a pink monkey flying around out there. The lie. Then there's the lie uh, of omission. The deceiving. That's when you take your car in with its, you're not exactly sure what's wrong, but you feel like the brakes are out and the transmissions, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's going too. And you take that in, you don't tell nobody. The lie of omission. 
deceiving one another. Do not lie. These are not easy. Nobody said this was going to be easy. Imagine, though, for a second, if you ran into the person that actually did this, right? That actually was truthful all the time. You found that person that never lied to you. Call him up, say, hey, on a scale from one to 10, just how ugly am I? You're a 10. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. I'm not saying cause pain, but I am saying that it would be refreshing to have somebody that you don't have to worry about where they're coming from. You know that guy's going to tell you the truth. He's going to be honest with you. He's going to look out for your best interest. It may not be what you want to hear. But you want to hear the truth. And thinking, believing that the truth matters. That would be refreshing. I should said, I'm the truth. A civilization not based on truth is in terrible trouble. At some point, there has to be truth. If we don't value the truth, we'll end up with a society that doesn't tell the truth. We don't tell the truth. The vacuum's going to be filled with lies. We're going to tell lies to each other. I don't know what those would look like. I think, uh, I think it's easy to tell yourself lies. Um, as a society, are we lying to each other? Uh, just generally speaking. Something that we can take from this verse, too, is that in, might need to read the verse, we got so far away from it, but don't steal, don't lie, uh, and don't deceive one another, right? Something else you can take from this verse is ownership. The verse, don't steal, presupposes that you own something to steal. Ownership. Capitalism. It is very difficult to steal from a communistic society. Right? Because you're all sharing it. So are you stealing it or are you? Maybe that's too far out there. I think, it, I think it's right. It's hard. Ownership in a real communistic society, it's difficult because of the collective ownership and or not ownership of whatever it is. Let's go on to verse 12. Do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of Yahweh. I am Yahweh. This is one of the biggest sins you can commit, at least in Judaism. And I do believe it's one of the biggest. You know, it's very, uh, in our day and age, you know, it's, it's one thing It's one thing for us to be embarrassed. It's a whole nother thing for us to embarrass Yahweh. When, when, we, when we wear the name of Yahweh, when we proclaim Yahweh, when we proclaim God, that, that is, uh, you're walking around with that. It's a responsibility. It's a, it's a, it's a heavy responsibility 
to be a decent, honorable person to your neighbor. And when we don't live up to that, uh, that's what this is. You're, not you're, you're carrying Yahweh's name around in vain. You're carrying the name poorly. You know, when we, Dennis actually relates a story that is actually really good, brings out the point, so I'll illustrate it. He said when, when he was a kid, they would, uh, his, his rabbi would tell him, hey, this is the biggest sin you could commit. Do not take Yahweh's name in vain. And he said, so, do not go to a dirty movie. Don't do it. But if you do do it, take off your yarmulke, right? And it's a very practical advice. I'm not, he wasn't saying, I'm not saying, I'm saying don't go to a dirty movie. But if you do go, that is how, because you're not walking up saying, hey, my name's Josh Wilkes, right? You're saying by having that on, you're, you're saying, does that make sense? You're, you are carrying Yahweh's name around in vain. And that is what we have to be so careful not to do. The way we, um, what's the word? Represent our father. Just like me, my kid uh, represents me in a bad way. Uh, it's embarrassing and it's uh, shameful, right? Uh, or, or when I've done that to my father, or my mother, right? That, that's how it is. We don't want to do that to our heavenly father. We are undermining belief in Yahweh when we sin in his name. Now that's what terrorist Muslims do when they behead someone. That's what they're doing. When they're yelling, uh, Allah Akbar. They're committing sin in their God's name. And you undermine belief in Yahweh because Yahweh is our hope. Right? We have a hope of redemption through Yahshua, salvation. But we're undermining that. Verse 13, do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. Okay, so do not defraud or rob your neighbor and do not hold back the wages of a hired worker. The, the idea is related, you know, because if you're not paying your labor on time, right, so we need to step back for a second. Modern society, here it's talking about the day labor, the guy that comes and helps you pick grapes out of the field, you might pay him that same day. In our society, we say, hey, we pay every other Friday, or we say we pay every Friday, or whatever we say, we talk to the person. Then we are accountable to pay them on that day because they've already, they've already made some plans. They've spent some money. You know, They've worked. You are literally, at that point, if he worked, you have his money, 
You're stealing from him if you don't pay him on Friday. Does that make sense? Or whenever y'all agree to pay. There was a statistic, uh, I guess, that I heard that said uh, 30% of students at some point in their life had stolen from a store. You know? Stolen from a store. What's the point? The point is the more we talk about Yahweh's laws and commandments, what's right, what's wrong, how do we act, how do we, how do we be? How do we, uh, who do we want to be? Who are we, you know? That matters. How are we to be holy? When we talk about Yahweh's laws, his uh, commandments, his ethics, I just have a feeling that the more you talk about that, the more you learn about it and study it, the more inclined you are not to steal, you know? Not to commit some of these sins. All right, Gary, I'm glad you're here for this next one. Verse 14 says, do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear Yahweh. I am Yahweh. <clears throat> Why should we not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block? Right? The deaf can't hear and the blind can't see. It's super easy to take advantage of someone who is... Uh, who's blind, who has a disadvantage, a disability. That's e it's easy to take it. And, and don't think for a second, Gary, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but uh, people don't just run around putting chairs in front of you, right? Yeah, most of the time they don't, okay. So see, there's a practical side, but I think we're taking it past the practical. We're taking it to the... The, the met, what is it called? Metaphorical? Thank you, Bruce. Metaphorical, right? We're taking it beyond that, okay? We're, we're not supposed to take advantage of somebody, okay? Who is at a disadvantage. The way we treat people matters. The way we treat our brothers and sisters, that matters. Do not go about uh, spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am Yahweh. That's a great verse. Do not go about spreading slander. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. Kind of a catch-all, right? Hey, if you see that the train doesn't have a conductor and you don't tell nobody, Hey, get off the train and don't have a conductor. You're, you're endangering someone else's life, okay? That's probably a bad example, but I've never seen that happen or even heard of that happening. Don't go about spreading slander among your people. What is slander? Today's slander is Facebook. You get on that sucker and oh my goodness, there's just too much, too many people talking about Stuff they probably just not say. And it hurts people bad, too. It really does. Uh, and so, just submit to you that we have to really be careful about what we put in public arenas, right? Uh, I would submit to you that we should monitor that very closely. Uh, as Yahweh's people. 
Do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly so you will not share in their guilt. You know, it's, it's very easy to, to not, I don't know. I think for some people, they have a huge problem. They, they cannot rebuke their neighbor, frankly. It just, you know, because it comes with a lot of, it comes with a lot of uh, problems. You know, what if he rebukes me back? She rebukes me back. That's no fun. I know for me personally, I don't take rebuke very good. I don't, I don't like to hear it. Like, this guy is really telling me that I'm ugly and I did this wrong and that was ugly and I get defensive. So that's hard to hear for me. So I really don't appreciate it. What does that tell us? I think it tells us we have to try, and I'm really bad about this too. The way we go and approach somebody matters. The way we go and talk to somebody and say, hey, man, I've been, I've been noticing that you're doing this, and why are you doing that? That matters. But the wisdom in this verse here, right, is that you will end up hating your fellow brother if you don't go and talk to him and hash it out. You don't go say anything, stay quiet. You're gonna end up harboring resentment. You're gonna end up being bitter. You're gonna end up being very uh, mad, right? You share in their guilt. You know, there's, there's an example we can use that maybe is lighthearted enough that we can talk about it. You know, if, if you ever notice somebody, right, that has a booger, and I've noticed that about myself, that has a booger, and it's just kind of awkward, but you're not sure, should I tell him? Should I not tell him? Uh, and so, you know, he'd really appreciate it. She would really appreciate it. You just go ahead and tell him, like, get, get the humiliation over with. Let's get it done. But you're not. And it's just awkward for a long time. Until you tell him, right? Uh, so you kind of share in the guilt on this deal. You know, if that happens to me, just tell me. I'll, I'll be all right, probably after I tell you that I'm not good at taking rebuke, I'll tell you that. Okay. These verses are not easy. None of this stuff is easy, but what is it? It does make us better people. It makes us better, right? At, uh, it makes us better at representing our father, which is what we want to be. When we look at our, our holiness scale and where Yahweh's at on the holiness scale, that's what we're shooting for. That's what we're aiming for, right? We're going to try to elevate to that. We're not going to get there, but we need to start trying to get away from the animal-based nature that we fight with. 18 says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people. But love your neighbor as yourself. Who knew that was in Leviticus 19? Should have asked that before I read it. Who knew do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people was 
the line before was in the was the first half of love your neighbor as yourself. I am Yahweh, right? Joshua said it so eloquently. Love your neighbors yourself. He said, love Yahweh first. Second rules like it. But who knew that was here in the middle of Leviticus? But how do we, how do we love ourselves, right? Uh, it's interesting. I was reading a book by Jordan Peterson. He talks about this verse, loving your neighbors yourself. Uh, I should have read probably 17 and 18 together and then started going through this, but let me back up half a second to, uh, to where it says in 17, right? Do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor, frankly, so you will not share in their guilt. And do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people but love your neighbor as yourself. You know, Proverbs says, don't reprove a scoffer. Remember how I was telling you, hey, uh, I'm not very good at taking reproach. Yeah, Proverbs says, don't reprove somebody, a scoffer. Proverbs has a few verses like this. Some people, they can't be reproved. You know, the, the macro effect of uh, this verse 17 and 18. Do not hate your fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly so that you don't share in his guilt. The macro effect of this is if you don't do anything in a society, just let it go. Asarasara, you know. It's not me. It's not who I am. You're also to bear the guilt because you won't stand up, you won't speak up, you won't say what you can, where you can. The proverbial, all it takes for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. But we need to have wisdom in how we execute that. As Proverbs says, don't reprove a scoffer. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, what does that mean? Um, I guess for me, when I really sit there and think about it, when I just think about loving myself, that would be so awesome if all of y'all loved me as much as I love me, right? That'd be super, that'd be really nice. And I just think y'all are, I don't know why I think this, kind of goofy, but I think you're gonna, like, you're going to bake me a cake and a meal and... I have no idea why I think that, but I just think, hey, if you love somebody, you're gonna give them some food. It's gonna be great. Uh, but to be honest, I don't even cook myself a cake. I don't even know how to make a cake. Uh, and that's an interesting thing, right? Jordan Peterson talks about in his book, how do you, how, how do you love yourself? Do you take care of yourself? You, what do you do with yourself? This is, you know, like some people really, and he's right. We know who we are. We have a lot of reasons to be kind of mad about it, to be frustrated with who we are. 
We have some reasons to not like ourselves. what I'm saying, right? I do. Done some things not proud of. So when we love our neighbor as ourselves, right? The idea is to love him as we like to be loved, I guess. But also pain, right? Some of the things that you go through are painful for, for me. Do we want, do y'all want your kids to have pain in their lives? I don't want my kids to have to have pain. Not what I just pray for, right? But pain does grow us, doesn't it? Usually a lot of times, pain can grow us as a person. We don't want pain for our kids. That's why we try to give them this wisdom. Hey, son, I got this wisdom for you. Don't do that because of this. Hey, daughter, don't do this because of this. We're trying to avoid the pain. We're trying uh, trying to avoid the pain, but it doesn't always work, you know? And we have to be honest. Like, do you, loving yourself, is that just everybody being nice to you all the time, 100% of the time? They never tell you about the booger because they're being nice to you, right? They never tell you things that will grow you. Hey, man, you got a problem with reproach. What are you doing? Chill out. Is that what you want? Or do you want to go through a little bit of pain to grow where you need to grow? So loving your neighbor as yourself doesn't mean that you bring him cakes and pies. And it doesn't necessarily mean that some of the best stuff that you can give somebody is just a word. Just, hey, man, I love you. But have you ever thought about this? Or, hey, man, you know, it's the way you approach somebody where they can hear you. The holy and the ethical, right? When we take a step back, and I'm going to end with this, and this is a point that I thought was, that Dennis Prager points out in his commentary, and I think it's profound. Uh, but he says, when you take a step back and you look at the, at the holy and the ethical, go back all the way to the tabernacle, to the temple, and what do we have? We have the tent of meeting. And we're taking, you know, we're way up here at the 30,000 foot view and we're going down into the temple. We have the temple, the outer court, the inner court, uh, and then we have the holy of holies. The priest went in there once a year, right? Made atonement for our sins. But inside of the holy of holies, what was inside the holy of holies? The ark. What was inside the ark? Manna. Aaron's rod, but it was the Torah, right? Law. Dennis Prager says, let me read this. Because I think it's very powerful. The holy, right? The holy protects the ethic. Does that make sense? We start losing what's holy. And we will lose our ethic. 
we'll lose our moral compass, our standard, our way of life, our teaching. I thought that was really powerful. Uh, Yahweh has given us this book to bless us. This thing is for us. This thing enhances our life. It doesn't detract from our life. The whole book. I hope, I hope this message uh, has been a blessing. I hope uh, that Yahweh was praised. Uh, and I just enjoyed uh, speaking today and I enjoyed seeing all of y'all. I uh, hope you'll have a wonderful Sabbath and, and stick around uh, after the message. Y'all would be praised.